First Chronicles will be reading out of chapter 12. If you were to do a study of the book of Chronicles, much of this book, especially First Chronicles, it's a whole bunch of names and it can get boring and confusing to the flesh and to the mind. It's difficult to say a lot of these names. It really is. Um, in our home reading, I encourage our family every time, every time that they that they were to feel their mind start to wander or slip, to recall the word providence, because every one of these names is a person. It's a lifetime. It's a generation. It's it's a it's a calling of a Jew out of the world of Gentiles. It's it's a wonderful picture of salvation. Every one of these names. Also by generations, we know that the Jews were prone to wander and fall after idolatry. So not every name is a name to be thought of in a in a uplifting way, but some of these names are bring sorrow to the heart. They really do, knowing that they had followed after sin and idolatry the of the ways of those of Canaan. So all that being said, we're going to read 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 16 through 18. And as, we, as we're there, you read verse 1. Now these are they that came to David to Ziklag while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, king, the son of Kish. So Saul was king. David had already, remember prior to the episode with David and Goliath, uh, Saul, the prophet, uh, the prophet Saul, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, had by the by the by the by the wisdom of God had anointed David to be king. Yet while Saul was king, and the kingdom was going to be taken from Saul because of disobedience and because of the issue of witchcraft, seeking to it. So here's David, king, and yet fleeing from Saul. So all these people are coming by the by the tribes to David. Okay. And that, that's what's going on here, okay? So verse 16, And there came of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. And David went out to meet them and answered and said unto them, If ye be come peaceably unto me to help me, mine heart shall be knit unto you. But if ye be come to betray me to mine enemies, seeing there is no wrong in my hands, mine hands. The God of our fathers looked thereon and rebuke it. Then the spirit came upon Amasiah, who was chief of the captain, and he said, Thine we are, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse. Peace be unto thee, and peace be to thine helpers, for thy God helpeth thee, then David received them and made them captains of the band. We'll be looking at that passage with the title this morning, A Picture of Salvation. A Picture of Salvation. I believe it's a very beautiful picture. I really do. It says they came to David. And in coming to David, he was, by God, the rightful king. He was the king that had been anointed. And in coming to David, they, they saw, and, and as a picture of coming to David, they saw that there was nowhere else to go, especially to the house of Saul. There was nowhere else to go. They came to David because there was no place to go. And in coming to Christ, and David being a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, one would know that there is no salvation otherwise. Because really, we all explore all other options in the flesh before one is brought to an end of themselves. They really do. And I believe that, um, that, that by God, it's permitted by God, that, that one can find salvation nowhere else. There is, there is no other place that they could have gone. They came to, uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ in like manner. You can read through the Gospels, and they brought their sick and their lame and those that had uh, the unclean spirits and all manner of diseases, and they brought them to Christ for healing. Well, why did they bring him to him? Well, there was no competition in town. He was salvation. Salvation was of, is of Jesus Christ. So David, through this passage, we're going to see him as a type of Christ. We can see him as a type of Christ. And we're also going to see a, a, a profound, and we're, th this might be our, our mini-series on the Holy Spirit. We spoke of the Holy Spirit during our Sunday school. You're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit 
in a picture in this in this picture of salvation. You saw there's no other captain. Though Saul, though Saul persisted, look back in chapter 12 and verse 1. We read we read it some of it. Now these are they that came to David to Ziklag, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men helpers of war. They were armed with bows, and they could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even of Saul's brethren of Benjamin. So there was no other captain. Even though there was a king, there was no other king they could align themselves unto but David. And by Adam, everyone thinks that they have right to their own, the kingdom of their own heart. Right. So so the, 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 the children of, of, of Benjamin, of Saul's brethren, they might have thought themselves occasion. It's like, hey, we're we're a, we're of we're of the king's bloodline. They might have thought sought occasion to seek after Saul, but they did. They sought after David as the right and true captain, though Saul persisted. So one being saved, coming to Christ, will flee unto Christ for refuge, though the flesh persists and desires to rule. These that came to David, in verse 16, there came of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. These that came to David, they did not coming, they did not come to David in that arena promoting themselves or their own tribes. You see, Judah, David was of the tribe of Judah, Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin, both Benjamin and Judah. They were not promoting themselves, but they were promoting and desired unto David. And that is the occasion of one that is saved by grace. They will desire Jesus Christ and he alone. They will not desire to promote themselves. They will not desire to, to promote their own case. All that will be stopped. Hold your place there. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 it says Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 if I get there then said Jesus unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me those going to David were going to deny themselves going to deny their bloodline going to deny their self-interest they're going to deny everything and they being mighty men coming to David, they were not coming to David to establish their own cause. But with all their might and all their strength and denying themselves, they were going to apply their might to David's cause. Okay? So we're going to see here this picture of salvation. So one, coming to Christ. You see, we have energies. We have power and ability. We are not robbed of all power and ability, but those things that we have, <coughs> excuse me, of power and ability coming to Christ in salvation, being brought to Christ in salvation, that is, would then deny ourselves and follow him with all power and ability. Where was the king? Where the king was, that was the hold. It says they came to David in the hold. Okay. And that hold is a stronghold or a fastness, a fort or a castle, a place of safety and refuge. They came to David for safety and refuge. So is Jesus Christ. It says in the book of Hebrews, though that to flee to Christ, those that flee to that have fled to him for refuge. Right? They, they abandon all. And submit to him as king in all things. He is the hold. He is the refuge. Now David was in the hold. Some imagine that he was in, in a cutout or a dugout or in a cave where he was there. So all these are pictures in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Christ himself is the stronghold. We can read that in the book of uh, uh, Psalms throughout that he is a stronghold and a mighty tower. And again, in Hebrews, he is that place of refuge. Why would they come to David? Well, someone evidently had told them David was there. 
right? <laughs> they didn't just go all over the wilderness trying to find David. They came to David, and someone told them where David was, and they went to David. They fled to David in that hold, in that place of fastness, that place of safety. So looking at this, there's some questions that David asks, and then there's an answer by Amasai. Okay? So the overall picture in verse 16, that gives us a summary of, what, of what's happening in verses 17 and 18. And there came of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. Okay, that's the summary. There are people by this picture that were saved, they believed, and they came to Jesus Christ, and he is their hold or their refuge. Okay, that's the, that's the overall picture here. So what happened? David asks in verse 17, when, they, when David went out to meet them and answered and said unto them, if you become peaceably unto me to help me, mine heart shall be knit unto you. So look at, look at what it means then for someone to come to David. Okay? He asked the question, are, are you come peaceably? Well, that word peaceably means in soundness or safety or prosperity. But it also means in friendship and welfare as in a time of war. Again, recall, Saul was of Benjamin. So to be peaceable with David, they would have to deny their bloodline of Benjamin. Okay, They would have to deny that Saul, the son of Kish, was king and they were of the king's bloodline. They would have to deny that. They would have to deny Benjamin. They'd have to deny Saul. One coming to Christ then, listen, one coming to Christ then, if one is indeed peaceable with Jesus Christ, they must deny their flesh and they must deny their lineage in Adam. If one maintains the lust of their flesh and maintains their dignity in the flesh, yet desires to come unto, unto uh, Christ, well, we'll get to it. David calls them a betrayer and an enemy. Okay. Must it not? We just read in Matthew chapter 16, one cannot be his, his, the Lord's disciple unless they, they, they deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. There must, there must, must be a denial of self there. And that does not come by nature. There is a natural self-preservation. I can do it. That's what religion is. I can do it. I can do it. All I got to do is do this. All I got to do is win 50 games of Yahtzee in a row and I can make it. Whatever. It's all, well, that's ridiculous. Nobody ever said that. Well, it's all just as ridiculous. Nobody can do anything to appease God. So... Why not 50 games of Yahtzee? It's all just as ridiculous. David says, if you come to me peaceably, if you come to me without evidence of war, but come to me in friendship, if you come to me denying yourself and denying your interest and denying who you think you are, and you come to me peaceably, see, coming to, coming to David meant they recognized him as king. They recognize him as captain. They recognize him as he is in control and he was the leader, not them. And coming to him peaceably, David says, I will be knit with you. Look at this, what he says. If you come to me, unto me peaceably, uh, if, you, un, if you come peaceably unto me to help me, mine heart shall be knit unto you. That word knit means of union or unitedness, togetherness. But notice that David wasn't required to go to them peaceably, right? He wasn't required to join them in their cause. They were required to join him in his cause. So if someone thinks that they can be saved, and yet God will submit to them, well, they have, they have no understanding of who God is. If these men thought that they could join David, but but David would have to submit to them? That's what happens in a populist government. Someone says, oh yes, I want to be your leader, but I'll be your leader as long as I can make you happy. 
Right? That's what our politicians do. They bend and break their promises all the time just to keep their constituents happy. David wasn't going to try to be making his constituents happy. No, they were coming to him peaceably. And I don't believe God Almighty, Jesus Christ, I don't believe he lives a life trying to please his constituents. Salvation is to the glory of God the Father through Jesus Christ. Read that in the book of Philippians again. Refresh yourself. Those in salvation coming to Jesus Christ, being peaceable unto him, or for his cause and not their own. He says, I will be knit to you. Those denying Saul and self and coming peaceably with David would be knit with them. Likewise, I believe, denying self, and this is all by the power of God and salvation. One does not by nature deny themselves. One denying the flesh and self are peaceable with Christ. Having repented of self and turning to Christ, Christ is knit with them. You could rehearse the first chapter of the book of Ephesians and see that those that are saved by grace are knit with Christ before God in Him in love. How wonderful it is. What a wonderful thing that God does to sinners, those that would otherwise be enemies, otherwise be an adversary to Christ. He does grant them repentance. He does grant them the new birth. They do come unto Jesus Christ and so peaceably. In friendship, they're drawn unto Christ. There is, there is no betrayal or eneminess of, of, at all. There's no animosity, but they come to Christ, and thank God they do so. Thank God, Jesus Christ, that he, do, that he is knit with his people. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Knit! If one be in Christ, they are a child of God and can never be otherwise. That's knit. Our core family. You know, I'm, we're, we're sinners. My wife, myself, our kids, we're, 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 we're sinners. We're a group of sinners. But as a family unit, we're knit. There is togetherness there. Right? What a, I believe that's a wonderful picture of salvation. That, that my son may sin against me, but he will never not be my son. That I may sin against God, and I do regularly, but I will never not be knit, having been brought peaceably unto Jesus Christ. I will never not be knit unto Him. Thank God He does grant a denial of self. Thank God He does grant peace. He asked the question, are you come peaceably? And we know He asked this for a reason. He says, but if you come to betray me to my enemies, just stop there just for a second. To betray me. That means to, to beguile or deceive, to mislead or to deal, to deal treacherously with. That is, David is saying, hey, look, if you're coming to me, but you have allegiance elsewhere, if you're coming to me, particularly children of Benjamin, if you're coming to me, but you're still oathed unto King Saul. If you, if you come to betray me, if you're the enemy, then certain things are going to happen. And so it is one that professes that they have come to Christ, yet they hold allegiance to themselves. They hold allegiance to the flesh. Look, if you would, please, in the book of Luke. The Lord Jesus spoke of this, this type of thing. There were many that physically had come to Jesus, and they had even mentally asked him many questions. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And verse 9. I want you to catch this. You've read this passage many times, but catch this. And he spake this parable unto certain... Well, how could he speak to them unless they had not come to him, right? They were there. Yeah. They had been fussing with him. 
He spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So there were people that had come to Jesus, but they came to betray him. They came as betraying and as enemies. They came with with treacherous intention and, and misleading invention. They came to him, yet held allegiance unto themselves that they were righteous. They came, but they believed in themselves. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I have. See, that man, and whenever I read these, I tend to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, that the person who was guilty of that was in the crowd. I believe that the Lord made eye contact with maybe Maybe this man had just got done praying these very things. And the Lord's looking at him. Yeah, here's one. Caught him on the spot. Caught him on the spot. I believe, I believe the Lord did that, especially through this, you know, the... Uh, there, there's, a, there's a series here in the book of Luke where there's a lost coin and the, and the lost sheep and, and, and the prodigal son and, and, and Lazarus and, and, and the rich man. I believe these things the Lord was talking in the moment to these people, and these things were relevant in those moments. That's what I pers- personally believe. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, and it could be that this man standing there ashamed tearful the lord maybe even holding his hand i don't know but smote his breast saying god be merciful to me a sin you see one of these men had come peaceably unto god i tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone that has exalted himself shall be abased and he that humbled himself shall be exalted i believe that man came unto jesus christ by the power of god peaceably whereas that Pharisee that stood up and prayed that he came as one that betrayed. He he was religious, but religiously misled. And he dealt with himself treacherously. He had allegiance with himself. Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? I'm glad I'm not that way. His allegiance was toward himself, not toward Christ. Enemies. Someone that look at look back in our text, first Chronicles chapter twelve. But if you become to betray me to my enemies, betrayal and enemy, those two words are linked. Okay. Someone who is in the mode of betraying, coming even in religion, but in a mode of betrayal is an enemy, an adversary, a foe. Those that conspired to betray David were the enemies of David. Those that came to David, if they were to come to David, yet having allegiance elsewhere, they were the enemies of David. Those that conspire to betray Christ are the enemies of Christ. Well, how would they do that? They try to mix grace and works. If it's grace, it's no more grace. Otherwise, grace, you know, it's either grace or works. Paul spoke of these in in the book of Philippians, and he calls them enemies. Look, in Philippians, in chapter 3, are there enemies of Christ? Yes. Are there enemies of Christ in the Lord's assemblies? Yes. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk. So as ye have us for an example, how did they walk? Soberly, righteously. They followed after Christ. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemies? You mean there are people that that say they're saved and they're the enemies of Jesus Christ? Yeah. How do you know? Whose end is destruction. Why is there indestruction? Because they don't trust in Christ. They don't. They haven't come to Christ for refuge. They're not in the hold. They have allegiance elsewhere. They're enemies. They they speak of betrayal. They trust in themselves, just as that Pharisee, whose God is their belly or their lust, 
and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Religious, unsaved. They hold on to themselves. Jude spoke of it. Certain men, ungodly, crept in unawares, making the grace of God lasciviousness. Same group of people. So what had happened? David asked, are you come peaceably? Have you rejected yourself and you come in that we, that, that we would have a friendship, but you come unto me? Again, I, I can't reiterate enough. Verse 17, he says, if you become peaceably unto me, it is not required that God come unto you. When Enoch walked with God, he walked with God. God didn't walk with him. God walks in light. There's only one way he walks. If someone is to come uh, unto God, they must do so peaceably and be on uh, be, be for him in rejection of self. But one holding on to themselves, one one uh, having having something yet to offer, does so, and they are betraying. They are betrayers and enemies of the throne of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's strong language. Yes, it is. Serious matter at hand. David's case, look at this. He says, because he says peaceably or as a betrayer, he says in that clause, seeing there is no wrong in my hands. What's he talking about? Is he saying he never sinned? No, he's not. Jesus Christ never sinned. David's not saying he's never sinned. That's right. When he's speaking of wrong, he's talking about injustice or cruelty or an unjust gain. He's saying that rightly he is king is what he's saying. If you come to me peaceably and not in betrayal, you do so and you, and, and you must know that there is no injustice for me to be king. David had been, by God, anointed as king in the room of Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 16, you could go back and read that on your own time. David was king. He was rightful king. So if someone were to be an enemy of David and attempt to betray him, they would also deny his rightfulness and his rightness as king. They would, be, uh, they would be declaring the wrongness of the hands of David, his injustice, that he is king. Likewise, Christ is anointed by God as the king over all. You know that's the case from Philippians chapter 2, that God has appointed him, that he lowered himself to the death of a cross, and, and God has, uh, has exalted him, that every knee should bow at him. In Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22 and verse 29, Luke chapter 22 and verse 29, listen to what the Lord says. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me. Boy, that's a short statement, but that's a, <laughs> it screams volumes. Christ appoints a kingdom to his people. Who appointed him to his? And does anybody from Adam until this hour have a right unto his kingdom? Or is there any wrong in Jesus Christ being king over that kingdom that God has appointed unto him? There is none. So what is the Lord's case? Indeed, there is no violence or cruelty. There is no injustice. Injustice, that is. There is no injustice. In Philippians chapter 2, you could also read that he was equal with God. And thought, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He is God. There is no injustice then for Jesus Christ to be king. So one coming unto the Lord, just as in David's day, if they were to come peaceably, they were to know without any doubt that he was king. One that comes unto Christ knows without any doubt, without any doubt, 
There is no room for a co-captain. There is no room for a co-king. He does not need a cabinet or advisors. One that comes to Christ knows, knows that peaceably they must deny themselves and in that submit themselves wholeheartedly unto King Jesus. He says, there is no wrong in my hands. If you come to me, there's no wrong hand in my hands. But if you come to betray me, the God of our fathers looked thereon and rebuke it. That means that God would be right to judge those that would be offended at David's kingship. One that said that David was wrongfully appointed king and would desire to betray him or desire their own cause before David. If they tried to advance King Saul's cause or if they tried to advance their own cause or their tribe's cause or whatever, that they would be worthy of the rebuke of God. And those betraying enemies of David would be handled or rebuked of God. That's a serious thing. Moreover, those betraying enemies of Christ, those, those that, that claim the Lord, they, they claim to come unto the Lord, yet they hold on to other allegiances. Oh yes, I believe on the Lord, but I really need to serve my flesh as it rules me in my life. Well, that's holding on to other allegiances. You know, I'm not speaking merely to unsaved people. That's where chastisement comes in. Children of God, when we lean on our previous allegiances or our allegiances to the self, God will chasten us. When we behave as as betrayers of the God who loved us in his gospel. He will chasten us. He will rebuke us by those things. The word rebuke means to judge or correct or chasten. It also means to argue justfully and, and rightly against. Those betraying enemies of Jesus Christ, those, outside, those, those that came into the camp of David, and they said, oh, yes, you're the king, and, but may, maybe would have conspired against David. God would have judged them, but many times as betrayers, they were dealt with with the sword. Those that say that they are of Christ, of the camp of Christ, and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? What will he say? Depart from me, I never knew you. Read Revelation chapter 20 again, verses 12 through 15. Those that betray the cross of Jesus Christ, those that betray his gospel, those that hold on to some glimpse of the flesh will be judged according to their works. And God Almighty, even Christ himself, will rebuke them from the white throne and cast them into a lake of fire. Thank God for the Spirit's work here. You see here then in chapter in verse of our text in First Chronicles chapter twelve and verse verse sixteen, you see the overall picture of salvation. And verse seventeen, you say you see the questions: Are you come peaceably, or are you come in betrayal, and what that would mean? And now in verse eighteen, you see the Spirit's work in this whole matter. You know, there's a few times, you know, Nicodemus, he had no idea. Well, what do you mean, the spirit, born, a sp born again? What are you talking about? If you read through the Old Testament, you can see the work of the Holy Spirit all the way through. The, the, spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't just come out in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit, you can see through the, through the, through the entirety of the Old Testament, I believe. Then the Spirit came upon Amasiah. Now that's the Spirit of God. You know, th th this, isn't, this isn't a spirit of confusion. This isn't a spirit of the world. This wasn't an evil spirit such as what plagued King Saul and the madness. This is the Spirit of God that came upon Amasiah. And I believe the same things that, that the Spirit of God did to Amasiah... In this passage in verse 18, I believe that, that in general, this is what he does to all those that he quickens, that he makes alive. 
It says that the Spirit came upon him. And that word came upon in the Hebrew means it clothed him or it dressed him. Okay? And Messiah's name, if you want to jot it down, means burdensome. Okay? So imagine this man who was known as being burdensome is now clothed by the Holy Spirit. You can see there in that first clause how there's a difference that the Spirit made upon this man. Burdensome. The Spirit clothes upon individuals, the individual and Messiah by name. You see, he didn't come unto the entirety of the tribe of Benjamin or the entirety of the tribe of Judah. It says the Spirit came upon Amasiah. There's one name mentioned right there. Well, that's one name out of a whole bunch of people. I don't know how many people, but it was a bunch. Right? We mentioned being cut or being pricked. I believe Amasiah was pricked in the heart. I believe that, that the Spirit of God had made a difference in the life of Amasiah. That he was clothed upon. Now, I changed my clothes I know a guy that changes his clothes pretty regular. He's kind of like Mr. Rogers. Remember that show, Mr. Rogers, where he'd come in and take off one jacket and put on another jacket and change his shoes, then come in the house? The Holy Spirit doesn't clothe and unclothe. I believe that the Holy Spirit clothes his people or, or dresses and comes upon his people in such a way that is not removed. The Holy Spirit does not remove himself from, from the people of God. Now, there are times that I walk in the flesh, but that doesn't mean the Spirit of God left me. It means that I walk in the flesh. That's my sin, not God's. I also believe that the Holy Spirit clothes upon individuals in salvation. Can, can the Spirit of God revive an entire people? Yes. Can He save many people all at once? Yes. But He, does, he revives a group, and he saves, uh, he saves a group of individuals, right? If revival were to come to us, it would be on an individual basis, and then we move as an assembly together, right? Individual. So I believe that the Spirit of God does work individually. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Before they were yet born, having done neither good or evil, the Spirit of God moves. I believe the Spirit of God. I thank God that he moves upon individuals. Why some here? Why some there? Why are some pricked? Why are some cut? Because the Spirit of God clothes individuals. And those that are by nature burdensome in their flesh and may have otherwise been a captain. Look, it says in verse 18, Then the Spirit that came upon Messiah, who was the chief of the captains, though we be captains in the flesh and are burdened in that captainship, yet submits us, Unto, unto Christ, just as Messiah was submitted unto David. You see that? Even, even, even the chief is submitted unto Christ, is brought low. Praise God. Isn't that great? Yeah. I believe that's what happened with Nicodemus. He was of the rulers, right? I believe that's what happened with Joseph of Arimathea. I believe that guy had some, some sway. I believe he had some influence. You can tell well, what kind of a Jew could approach Pilate and beg the body of Christ in that scenario unless he was somebody in the flesh. Yet even being somebody of the chiefest, the Spirit of God, clothing upon individuals, takes their burdensomeness and makes them as the servant of God. What else does the Spirit do? Look, the Spirit expresses ownership. Then said Spirit, then the Spirit came upon Amasiah, who was the chief of the captains, and he said, Thine are we. The Spirit of God expresses ownership. Okay? They were now David's. They were not their own anymore. Amasiah was not his own. He's David's. Thine are we. Specifically, thine am, uh, am I. I belong to you. That is exactly what happens when the Spirit of God quickens or makes alive the child of God. In 1 Corinthians and chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The way Paul words this, it's not like it's new information. He's reminding them. 
They knew already. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, chapter, excuse me, chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body, which is the temple of what? The Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God. Well, thank God he, he grants the Holy Spirit in conversion. And you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Thine we are. Thine I am. The Spirit of God testifies. That we, this house, this habitation, this, this body that I have is, it in, is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And it's, it, it convicts me first and foremost that I am the ownership of God. I'm His. I'm not my own. The Holy Spirit expresses this ownership. So if someone says, oh yeah, I'm saved, but then they do not express ownership unto God, but express that betrayal, you, you can see how it evidences in life, you see. Thine we are. The Holy Spirit brings personal relationship. Look, you, you, it's super easy to miss. He says, thine we are, David. They, uh, over at the clinic, they, 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 they've had meetings about this, what, what, what they're supposed to call us, you know, Mr. Newell or, or whatever, Joe, whatever. Because there's a, there's a, they try to promote, you know, a, I guess a dignification or a, a respect of position or authority. And to a degree, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But just people, right? But think about this. What if you went into the White House and slapped President Biden on the shoulder and said, Hey, what's up, Joe? No, it's... You might not like him, but his position involves a little bit more respect than that, right? But the Holy Spirit brings, being clothed in the Spirit, it brought a personal relationship between Amasiah that he could merely refer to the king as David. Think about that. The Holy Spirit brings such a personal relationship to those that are indeed the ownership of God Almighty, that we can cry out, Abba, Father, and we can call upon the Almighty by the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, and yet call him by name. The Lord Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Jehovah. He gave a name. Right? Salvation is of the Lord. Old Jonah in that well, he cried out, Jesus! How wonderful. But the Spirit of God clothed his children that we can call the Almighty by name. And he receive us. Some people you can't call my name, call them by name. I've, I've had people say, oh, keep my name out of your mouth. This is God. God in the flesh. The Spirit of God brings such a closeness that one can call. Now, don't get so loose with it that you call him buddy and pal. I wouldn't consider it loose. But what a wonderful thing. But the Spirit of God does grant us such a personal relationship that we can call upon God himself and by name. The Spirit of God brings one on the right side. Look at this. Spirit, then the Spirit came upon Amaziah, who was chief of the captains, and he said, Thine we are, David, and on thy side. The Spirit of God brings the people of God on the right side. Amaziah was now on David's side, and thus he forsook Saul's side and his side and every other side. There's only one side, and it was David's side. We're on your side, David. 
The Spirit of God to the believer brings the believer being on the Lord's side to forsake their side and the world's side and every other side. There is no other side. In the book of Joshua, Joshua says, hey, look, are you on our side or on our adversary's side? And he says, no, but I come in as a captain of the host of the Lord. I'm on my side, the Lord said. The Spirit brings one on the right side. The, the Spirit brings one to quit themselves and to take up their cross and forsake themselves and follow after the Lord. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not a natural thing for anyone to do. To be on the Lord's side, the right side. There's only one side, and it's His side. The Spirit of God bring, bring, brings uh, key, uh, peace with the King. We're on your side, thou son of Jesse. Peace Peace be unto thee. That word peace is the same word for peaceably that David asked in verse 17. It brings peace. The Spirit of God brings a peace or a friendship with God. And not of this world, but of God. Amasiah desired peace with David. And he could only have peace with David to forsake all thoughts of betrayal and to forsake all allegiance to the enemies of David. One has peace with God through Jesus Christ, forsaking all else, repenting of themselves, repenting of all everything else. The believer desires peace on godly terms with God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that is, mere, that is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks in the book of Romans chapter 7 how there's a war raging. Well, that war, the Spirit Drawing in peace to God, the flesh desires its own thing. That's the war at hand, as he mentions in verse chapter 7. But the Spirit brings peace with the king. Now, peace with the king might be adversary to all the rest, you see. Those that preached the gospel of peace in the New Testament often found themselves in a strait. They found themselves of, of beatings and threatenings and imprisonments. We're studying the book of Revelation. John found himself on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. But peace and grace is taught in Revelation chapter 1. The Spirit of God makes known the King and whose God is the help. Look at this. Verse 18 again. Excuse me. I skipped a portion. The Spirit of God promotes peace with the King's helpers. Peace, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thine helpers. The peace of God. The Spirit of God desires the peace of God to the king's helpers. Amasai desired, that, that desired peace to those who helped and promoted David. The Spirit of God will cause a believer to desire peace with those who help and promote the Lord. Especially of the household of faith. Why is it so easy to get along with sister churches who believe like precious faith and hold, and, and hold like precious doctrine? Why is it so easy? Because we desire their friendship under King Jesus. The Spirit of God, it's an easy thing to do because the Spirit of God promotes that among ourselves. Why is it so easily easy for us to get along with one another? Because the Spirit of God promotes it. It promotes those who are the, the helpers and those, those that, are, that, are, that promote the, the kingdom of Christ that promotes that we love and desire peace with one another. These things are foreign to those outside of the Spirit, but it's just a natural flow here you see from the passage. The Spirit of God makes known the king and whose God is the help. Look at this in verse 18. For thy God helpeth thee. Amasai knew that David was rightfully king and that God had established it. The believer knows that Christ is the king, being appointed and established by God the Father. And that those who are helpers and those that, that promote the kingdom of Christ are so also appointed. We read that already in the book of Matthew that, that the Lord has his kingdom and he has appointed a kingdom unto his people. 
But the Spirit makes these things known unto us. Why can't we fellowship with other people? Because they promote their kingdom. They promote the, the enemies and adversaries. They are betrayers of the cross of Christ. Why can't we have fellowship with any old body? Because they're not allegiant unto Christ himself. They might be really nice people. They might be fine neighbors. But they're the enemies of God. Strong language. Some of these men that came out of Benjamin and Judah, they might have had a civil war on their hands. Maybe houses were divided who stayed under Saul and who went under David. But the Spirit led them, and they knew that David was of God. And the Spirit leads that the children of God would know that Christ is the Son of God, and those that are on His side are on the right side and would desire peace with those. Look at this. The Spirit leads in reception or acceptance. Then the Spirit came upon Amasiah, who was the chief of the captain, and he said, Thine we are, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thine helpers. For thy God helpeth thee. Then David received them. Then David received them. The Spirit leads in the reception. Now, David was a human being, okay, and he could not read minds and he could not read hearts. So, so we have to understand this is only a picture, okay? This is only a picture. David, when he asked the question, are you come peaceably or are you coming to betray me? He didn't know. He didn't. Amasiah was received being led of the Spirit in his recognition of David. He recognized David for who he was as rightful king, and he also recognized that he would he would forsake everything else to be as it, as as it were owned by David and be his servant, and desiring peace unto David. The believer is received. Listen, the believer is received, being led of the Spirit in the recognition of Jesus Christ. Turn to the book of John. We'll do a little walk here through the book of John. And I'll say that again just to clarify. A sinner being led of the Spirit is received of God being led by the Spirit unto Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So believing on his name, he gave them power to believe on his name, and they did come unto him. Chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So there are some that trust in the Lord, but they're born of the Spirit first. Chapter 6, verse 44. Chapter 6, verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him. Okay? So the Spirit leads in the reception of the sinner unto Jesus Christ. No man can come to me except, that word except is important. It, it means that, that without that word, no man can come to him, but because that word is there, the Father does draw Sinners unto Jesus Christ, and they can come to him, and he will receive them. That's exactly what he said. That's exactly what he said. He will receive them, and I will raise him up at the last day. And now, 12. John, excuse me, John chapter 14. Verse 6, 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None one cometh unto the Father but by me. So being received by Jesus Christ, he brings them to the Father. Well, how do they come to Jesus Christ? The Spirit draws them. The Spirit leads in the reception. So those that are clothed upon by the Spirit will express themselves as being owned by God, will have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, will be on His side, will have peace and speak of peace toward the king and desire peace with the king on godly terms and will promote those helpers or those on the king's side knowing that Jesus himself is God repenting of the of their of their own issue and coming to Jesus Christ by the spirit will be received of God almighty through Jesus Christ it says that David received them being led of the Spirit and being received of the king, those of enemy of the enemy's camp are made captains of the king. Look at that. They were of the enemy's camp. David received them and made them captains of the band. Those of Saul's house, those that were they were enemies. David, before you know, without even saying a word, he could have said, arrest them and kill them. He could have said that. He would have been right to do that, but he didn't. But he made those of Saul's house as chief and captains in his own realm. Boy, that's a picture of grace, isn't it? Those of Adam's house, it says in Revelation chapter 5, those of Adam's house are made kings and priests in the realm of God. How? being clothed upon by the Spirit of God, the new birth, being being made alive according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. Look, Look at their submission to the King Jesus here. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. Only a sinner needs redeemed. Only an enemy needs rescue. Only one that is out of the way is in need of that worthy lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ. But how gracious is the Father's love that by the Spirit those of the enemy's house are made captains in his realm. Isn't that great? It's great. So, child of God, we have much to be thankful for. In our text, verse 16, that's an overview. Verse 17, there's some questions. Verse 18, you see the power of God, the Spirit of God and salvation. So then, what do we get from this? Having come to Christ, and that by the power of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing us to Jesus Christ, making us alive. There's some items that we can follow after Amasiah in here and learn by. We are to express his ownership. I am to express the Lord's ownership over me. Thine I am. He said thine we are. Thine I am. I'm not my own. I can thank God that I can call, just as Amasiah called on David, I can call upon the Lord Jesus Christ by name. In the sample prayer, the Lord himself says, our father, our father. You know, when he says that as a personal pronoun, he is included in the hour. So just as much as he called the heavenly father, father, so can the children of God call him father. What personal relationship. And as we close in our prayers, in Jesus name, we pray. What a wonderful occasion. We can call upon the very name of God and that personally. Consider these things. Expressing his ownership and calling upon him, knowing everything, we're to be on his side. We're on your side. 
I need to quit asking God to be on my side. I need to be on his side. You know, there was a whole fuss about the holidays and all that kind of stuff on social media, and people got pretty... I lost some friends over that, you know, over some of those things because of idolatry and whatever. problem with most people is they want to be on their side and call Christian liberty and just do whatever they want. They want God to be on their side in sin. How did that work out for the Jews in the Old Testament? No, children of God, we're to be on his side and quit asking him to be on our side and say, Lord, I'm on your side. That's what Paul said. Lord, what will thou have me to do? I'm on your side, Lord. He says, peace, peace. He repeated himself twice, Amasiah did. We're to enjoy and anticipate the peace of God. We're to enjoy and anticipate the friendship of God. You think about how friendly... You ever, and I lose sight of this. It's my fault. Forget how friendly God has been with you. That He would save your soul and put you in His prospective bride. That's pretty friendly. I've never, I've met a governor one time when I graduated nurse practitioner school, and I, I told him I was praying for him. I told him to repent, and he looked at me like he wanted to kill me. That's about as important person I've, I've ever, I've ever met before personally but imagine having and enjoying such privilege of the peace of God we should enjoy those things we should we should consider what an honor it is that the Lord found it in his wisdom that he would count us unto salvation and place us in his assembly if we just had the spiritual eyes that we could open and see this place we would be thrown to the ground at the presence of God. You know, people talking about what angels are in the walls or whatever. We'd be thrown to the ground at the presence of God if we knew, if we could only, um, if we could only see what's going on in this room. Enjoy the peace of God, the friendship of God. When He said, "Lo, I'm with you until the end of the age," He meant it. Enjoy the friendship of God. I believe Am Messiah was pretty happy to be in front of. King David. Enjoy and promote the peace of God's helpers. Um, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing to come across people of like faith and practice and, and to hear of, of these ministers and, and those that are of congregations that are steadfast in the faith. We should we should enjoy we should enjoy the fellowship of one another. We're to cherish the blessings and appointment of our reception in Jesus Christ. He, look, it says he received him. Do you often consider the reception that you have before God in Jesus Christ? I encourage you to. How is all this? Go back up to verse 16. Because you've come to the stronghold. You've come to the hold. These people came to the hold under David. If Amasiah would have gone to anybody else literally in the world and said those same things, it would have been futile. The only thing that makes a difference at all in this life is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, He Himself being that stronghold. The Spirit of God, look at it in reverse. The Spirit of God in verse 18 will bring you to the stronghold. He will not lead you anywhere else. He will bring you to the stronghold, Jesus Christ himself. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 15 that the Spirit would testify of him. And he did. He does. And always has. The Spirit does not permit for sin. The Spirit does not make concession for the flesh. The Spirit does not condone sin. The Spirit promotes Jesus Christ as King. Remember that. Remember that you used to be part of the camp of Saul and you have been brought by the Spirit of God unto the hold, the camp of Jesus Christ. Sinner, you're one of the enemies of God. In your betrayal of King Jesus, you have sided against him and in siding against him, you have sided on your own part. You've sided for yourself. 
you're on Adam's side. And if you went back and read the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 2, you would see that just the, the, the lust of self and living for you and everything about that, it's all about you. You, you, you. You might be religious, but you still hold on to self and you're still allegiant to self. In your present condition, you would be rebuked by Christ at that white throne judgment. There might have been a case where Amasiah, you know, he might have been the one resistant to going to King David. He might have been the most vocal not to go to King David until he wasn't. Now he's the spokesperson. I don't know the circumstances. I know he was a human being. I encourage you to repent. I encourage you to come to Jesus Christ, who alone is that stronghold and safety and that mighty tower that he alone can save. I encourage you to desire peace with God, and you cannot, you cannot acquire peace with God on your terms. You cannot acquire peace of God outside of betraying your own self. You must turn on your own self, and that is not something one will do naturally. One must turn from self, being an enemy of God. And by the power of God, see their eneminess. One must put away their self-righteousness. One must put away their, their claim to the throne of their own heart. And know that in Christ alone there is safety. One must quit themselves. One must know that they of themselves would, would lead to ruin. One must know that of themselves and as enemies of God, they just as David said that the Lord would rebuke them, and David surely would not receive them, that as an enemy of God, you deserve the rebuke of God and to be cast away, not received, but cast away. And knowing these things, and knowing these things, by the power of God, I encourage you to repent. By the power of God, I encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. To submit yourself to the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And by the Spirit of God, come unto him, who indeed is that stronghold and mighty tower. A picture of salvation. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.